Where's your fedora? Where's your fedora? Where's yours? I don't have one. I don't have one. We only had one black hat in the house. And it's, uh, <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like this does it, right? <laughs> are you, is that, it's hard for me to see, but it looks like you are part of the village people. I'm a blues brother. <laughs> Dude, he's a blues brother, everyone. All right, Keith, you ready? No, <laughs> I am not ready. <laughs> We're here to talk We're, about a classic. We are going to talk about a classic. I'm very excited to discuss this film. It is uh, a comedy. Uh, so anyone who knows me knows uh, this is right in my wheelhouse. One of the, one of the uh, probably one of the greatest comedies of all time, critically speaking, uh, from many lists. Uh, we can get into where we put it, but just critically speaking, uh, one of the most beloved comedies of all time, the Blues Brothers. We got a show to do, then we got to figure out some way to collect that gate money, get it to the Cook County Assessor's Office as soon as they open in the morning. Joliet, Jake, and Elwood Blues, the Blues Brothers. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that goes, right? Yes. Directed by John Landis. <laughs> yes. Starring the late uh, John Belushi and uh, the early Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Great Dan Aykroyd. Put some, put some respect. The great. Yes. Yes, yes. We'll get to Dan Aykroyd's greatness. We will. Uh, but I feel like we both have an embarrassing confession. Is that not, is that not true? To uh, start this off? That, I'm that time I killed a drifter? <laughs> no, I said embarrassing. Not your, your proudest moment. <laughs> <laughs> I had never seen this film before. I had never seen this film before either. I never, it's it's embarrassing. Let's start there, because how is that possible? I mean, it's worse for you, because you're Mr. I'm a comedy god. I, uh, I would never say god. Uh, <laughs> Lord. Overlord. Are you a god? <laughs> Overlord, yeah. It's still bad for me, too, because, uh, you know... It's a, it's a pretty seminal comedy. It's a, it's a pretty seminal film in the history of films. And, sure is. Uh, so how come, how come you haven't seen it, Keith? How come, why do you hate it? <laughs> uh, I had never seen it because I don't, I don't, shit, I don't have a good answer. I, I honestly don't have a good answer. It just never came to me. It's kind of crazy to think about because the film always felt more like my dad's film. Like my, my dad loves this film. He's quoted this film. Like he was just, he loved this film growing up. He's got a handful of films that he always just references. And Blues Brothers was one of them. And, it, and even though it came out in 1980, it, you know, I've, I've seen a bunch of the 70s and 80s movies and I love a lot of them, all of the great ones for the most part. But, but it never felt like a movie that was like, for me, I always associated it with like, oh, my dad, my dad likes that movie, not me. I'm, I'm, this is a huge cop-out, but I, I just think that's kind of why it just like never, it never got to me. So that's yeah. my best answer. It's a shame on me. It's shame on me, guys. No, no, it's a shame on your dad <laughs> for not pushing it on <laughs> Ralph, you harder. you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Macri, you blew it. You blew, I mean, in more ways than one, this guy. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, no, I think that's valid. I think that's valid. You and I are, are just a year apart. Uh, and so we are of the same generation. And I, I kind of feel similarly, where it's like a, a great deal of the early comedies I watched in my childhood of the, you know, the later 80s and the early 90s, uh, they were really dictated by my dad and my dad's taste in comedies. 
And so my dad pushed me in, in some directions, and he liked this movie a lot and talked about it a lot. But it just never clicked for me. And I don't really understand how that is, because I loved Animal House. Uh, I was a big Animal House guy because of my dad, which yeah. came out two years earlier, also directed by, uh, by John Landis. And, uh, and then I'm obviously, as I've said a thousand times on this show, a huge fan of Trading Places, which came just a, a couple years later, which I think also directed by John Landis. Correct. Maybe, I Correct. I, uh, I want to talk about John Landis. Like, we yeah. need to get into it. He deserves a discussion. But Yeah, there's, there's a lot of underrated uh, folks involved in this film. Yeah. But so I don't I don't have a good reason. I, I think I maybe thought it was like of my dad's generation and like what little I knew about it is like I feel like I knew that they were they, like I thought incorrectly I think that they were like doing this really specific bit and that it was kind of a musical and that it was just two guys that would just randomly break into song and I it just never clicked for me as something I I was going to go see. <laughs> I watched this film this morning before recording this, mm -hmm. and I have to say that I was uh, blown away. I was thoroughly wow. blown away, and I loved it. Wow. I loved it. Wow. Loved it. Wow. Wow. And I'm not even just saying that to say it. I, I like really like, it has everything in it that I love now, and it has everything in it I would have loved as like an eight-year-old, so yeah. I'm like mad. Like I, I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having this experience now that I'm really grateful for, but I feel really robbed because I feel like this is exactly the kind of movie that if I had seen when I was eight or nine years old, I would have latched onto, and it would probably be one of my all-time favorites right now. Like I, I can, can see that in hindsight. It's a really great movie. I loved it. That, I loved is, it. that is crazy. I, I was not expecting that. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, I think the, my main takeaway from, from this film is it, it's, it's, these, these characters are so iconic in, in comedy and music history. I think this is the perfect combination of the, the times. It's like a time capsule. I feel like this, this film is a time capsule with the perfect meat of comedy superstars and uh, great music. When they like, this is a this is an ode to music. This is a love story to music as I see it. It it and they just cr they just cross at the right time and it explodes in this amazing film. Like I think it's I respect it and I think it's awesome that it was made. I think about it like could this like if this was made today, how would that look and feel? Like I just feel like it was the, the stars aligned for this film to be made. And you can talk about the production too, about how things, this film almost didn't get made several times. Uh, yeah. But like the stars aligned for this moment in time to happen. And that is beautiful. And that is absolutely beautiful. So I, I love the film like from that standpoint. I went down a deep rabbit hole after watching it and I was just like floored by everything I learned that I had no idea about. Yeah. Um, about just like the lead up that, that this, you know, obviously that this was an SNL like a, you know, a, a yeah. it's adaptation. A sketch first. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were like pretty uh, legitimate musical act outside of that, just Before. like selling records. Yeah. Like yeah. they had like one of the best selling blues albums of all time yeah. the, as like a was, legitimate band that toured. Yeah. Uh, the number one album I learned, which I think is fascinating, John Belushi was such a star 
And again, before my time, so I, so I missed it, but was such a star that he's on the number one rated TV show, he has the number one album in the country, and has the number one film in the country in the same year. Yeah. How, how many people can, can say that? I mean, that, that is, that's, I mean, his, his star must have shined so bright at the, during that time. The only person I can compare it to is Eddie Murphy, uh, in terms of, yeah. like, this is the biggest person on the planet that's not Prince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Belushi is such a fascinating uh, character, both in this film and then just in life. Like, uh, I, he, he's always been sort of this, like, large, looming figure in the history of comedy that has a certain element of, of mystery, uh, I've thought, due to his, you know, untimely death. But such a, such a explosion. Yeah. You know, in every possible way, metaphorically, literally, like just an explosive energy, uh, explosive presence and, uh, you know, <laughs> incredibly memorable. I, I really liked watching him in this because to me, this was, you know, he's still doing a lot of his Belushi things. But this is almost the most like acting I've seen him do. If that if that made like he's a little more he has a little subtlety that he's that he's putting into his role here, whereas in Animal House, he's just like this. Crazy, wild, crazy guy. wild guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then in most of the SNL sketches, I saw he's like this really loud, crazy guy. Like yeah. his his volume is who he is. Yeah, and in this yeah. movie, he was a little drier in some parts, and I and I actually liked that. And I thought I thought he was really good at that. This mo- to to that point, uh, this movie makes me want to see more of him. I, I I'm not well versed in Belushi, and 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 shame on me. Obviously, I've seen Animal House, and now I've seen this film, and I've seen a ton of his sketches from SNL. And I, and I kind of just took him from Animal House and SNL. I kind of just took it as like, all right, that's his that's his thing. And and seeing him here, I go, ah, I should probably dig into this a little bit more and see if he had a little bit more uh, uh, range to him comedically. We've talked about him, I think, in comparison to Chris Farley before, oh, yeah. just because they're they're the bigger guys and they have like their 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 highs are very like energized. Yeah. And we've talked about Chris Farley's kind of inherent sweetness, though, uh, as 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 uh, in comparison too, to to Belushi. And I and I could I saw more of it here than I had before. This film has immediately skyrocketed. Like I want to watch it again and again. Uh, and wow. to me, it skyrocketed up so many lists. Like we talk about lists all the time. That's, that's how this show started. Was uh, our top ten favorite movies list. It and is. I feel like uh, this is now my number one. No, I'm no. just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no way. I, I really love it. But I wonder, like, it, it, it immediately like goes on to so many lists. For me, where I go, I go hands down. So I'll pose the question. Yeah, I have so but, many questions, but go, go ahead. It, it, I mean, this is the greatest SNL sketch adapt, film adapt, adaptation of all time. I think. I think in the, that. Go ahead. No, it's a it's a great place to start. I think I, I was worried you're going to be like, this is the greatest comedy of all time, which I'm going to argue wholeheartedly. No, 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 no. Okay, but I mean it. It's, it's, you know, it immediately is in my top 30 without me thinking about sure, it. Sure, like sure. It's up there immediately. It's, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's, yes, but I was worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be crazy now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it is the, um, the other, the, the only other movie that comes to mind when you think about SNL movies that is in this breath, and I know you're, I, I can already hear you disagreeing. Is, is Wayne's World. Wayne's World was such a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say, if I remember correctly, that Wayne's World 2 is the top grossing SNL 
film of all of all time. Okay, well, we'll take these home, run through them with a fine-tooth comb, cross the T's and dot the lowercase J's. God, I feel like there's another one that's like slipping my, that I'm gonna be pissed later that I don't remember. Who's I'm that? Like, the ladies' man. It's the ladies' man. Big sweet thing. Can I buy you a fish sandwich? There's the two Wayne's World, uh, there's Blues Brothers, and then like Coneheads, yeah. you know? Like, yep. And then it depends on how you feel about those later films, Roxbury and Superstar and Ladies Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, Pat, or, it's Pat, I think is the one, is the one that we all remember. So what the hell are you? A man or a woman? MacGruber. Uh, MacGruber, the last one. It's MacGruber. been 12 years since they did one. MacGruber, we gotta do a MacGruber episode. We've referenced that movie too many times to not do a MacGruber episode. There's three really funny parts in MacGruber and the rest <laughs> of the movie is awful, which is sort of the way all of MacGruber's stuff is. <laughs> You're gonna laugh harder than you've laughed in your life like one or two times and then the rest of it. And then you're gonna like, hate okay. the rest of it. <laughs> I get it, I get it. I go back and forth between is like, MacGruber the worst comedy ever or the best comedy ever? Like I really, I struggle with it emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Something in the room, and I'll fuck it for you. So this is the best. Yeah, I would. I would say I. I like Wayne's World, the franchise. I'm just going to group them together. I like it more. It's more. I grew up in it. I'm the perfect demographic for it. But uh, yes, overall, this is the best SNL film. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag Heineken, refreshing, crisp, sponsorship. European. <laughs> if anybody out there knows people at Heineken or at any company in the world. Uh, yeah, any and, company. And uh, you think they're gonna want, we'll, we'll eat it, we'll drink it, we'll do whatever, we'll say it's the best. <laughs> we, we can be bought, we are for sale. We'll eat it, we'll drink it, we'll say it's the best. It's gotta be on a t-shirt, it's gotta be on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. You send me a product, I'll do whatever you want me to do with it. <laughs> oh, have fun with that. Businesses and corporations, <laughs> just have fun with that, guys. Whatever you want me to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am no different. I'll do it twice. It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. So the other list that this, that this movie immediately has to go onto yeah. is like, is it the best car chase movie of all time? Uh, I, know, I know there's some great car chase movies, but my God. It's the like longest this, car I'm, chase. <laughs> it's the longest car chase in cinema history. Incredible. It's, like, <laughs> it's incredible. It goes. And I got a whole lot I want to say about this. <laughs> but what did you think? No, no, I'll go forever. And it'll, it's going to veer too much off topic. Pun intended. It's amazing. I mean, I, I, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's so fun for it to happen inside of a mall. It's, it's that, so fun. I mean, which is incredible. That's what I kept saying inside, uh, in, inside my head, <laughs> in my head. I kept saying, this is inside a mall. Like it's, it, I feel like that if that car chase is just on the street, it's, I, t I forget it. I forget that it happened. But the fact that it's inside a mall and, and the and hijinks- they're fucking destroying it. <laughs> it's, it is, uh, it's, it's so memorable. Uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And the commentary, like, oh, they have everything here. Like, <laughs> baby clothes. The place has got everything. That was like, honestly, like it was top level. It was top level comedy. Yeah. See, I mean, but that, I and mean, this is, I'm gonna go on a whole nother diatribe now because talking about, I mean, 
What makes this film great, obviously, are these two performers and these two characters. Their demeanor throughout the whole film is, is that they are unflappable. They are the coolest guys in, in the world. They cannot be shaken. They've seen it all. They've done it all. And that, that confidence is exuded throughout the whole film. And that's what makes those lines funny. That's what makes this film work, is their attitude. When they're getting rocket launchers shot at them, they dust themselves off and they're just like, hmm, all right, back inside. Because this is nothing they haven't seen before. And that is consistent throughout. It's just beautiful. It's brilliant, they're, they're everything that they're doing. Uh, that sequence is is so phenomenal too because so many directions as this conversation can go simultaneously. But like so much love to John Landis and and the the cinematography team because the the shots across the film are incredible. That, uh, that's why I want to talk about way, John Landis. I want to talk about yeah. him as a as, as a comedic director. But go ahead. Well, here's the thing with John Landis and and a few others of that generation. Uh, John Landis though, especially because I always felt this way about Trading Places too, is that. And even Animal House is like your subject matter is goofy and funny and it's a comedy, but it feels very uh, sincere, but like serious. Like it's a it's a it's a film like we're making a movie. So we're going to do the things to make a good movie and then we're going to populate that with the comedy and the over the top and even some of the craziness and stupidity. But like it feels like it has weight. Like, be, and it, it has weight because of the cinematography and the, the craft, like the seriousness with which these people take their jobs. I, and I love that. I, I am furious I wasn't able to say that. <laughs> because that's perfect. That is, it is, I agree. I would just be repeating verbatim what, what you said. The, 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 take the intro scene. I started watching this movie with my wife and then she immediately fell asleep. We have a baby, <laughs> not because it was boring. We haven't slept in six weeks. The, <laughs> but the, the opening sequence, when they don't show Belushi's face and then the rays of, of golden sun that peer behind him. I don't know how him, they even got that I, shot. It's just, it's, uh, when you're watching it, you're like, fuck, I'm watching a movie. This is an yeah. event. This is, mo this is monumental period this it, it adds weight is a great way to describe it it adds so much weight you know what the the other shot that i absolutely love it comes just a, a few minutes later when they come into the orphanage that shot like that low shot yes. with the bars with the, the light and spiraling the, on the staircase it's fucking gorgeous it is gorgeous I, I i like stop myself for a second and i go this it's fucking art in a comedy, and it just in a, in a in a Saturday Night Live skit adaptation from forty years ago. <laughs> there's at least five shots that are better than almost any shot any. of the last twenty five years. A thousand percent, <laughs> a thousand percent. It just like it 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 gave me such a reverence for the art of making great movies that are funny. Not dumb yeah. comedies. It just, oh my lord. It was, I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. I couldn't agree more. Well, and this opens up my larger point, which, I'm, which, I, which is just coming regardless, no matter what. I, I couldn't stop myself. Is that, like, I talk all the time, which is why I'm apprehensive and hesitant, about, like, practicality. Like, that's, that's my broken record point. Sure. Shoot movies on location. Shoot movies with practical yep. effects. Shoot movies that feel real and are real. Um, but this is like a prime example. Uh, like you look at those car chases. Like you talk about reverence. Like 
Like, th- this shit is really happening. And so <laughs> that matters. Like, that, my jaw is open. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember the last time I watched a new film, like a, a modern film, where I was like, you know what I mean? It was like maybe Gravity in 2013 because the cinematography is so crazy and it's like you're on a fucking roller coaster. But like, it's not often anymore that you're just like, oh my God, like the magic of the, of the medium of cinema is, is like t- overtaking me. And that's how I felt watching this movie because this shit is real and you're like, how is this happening? And it allows, it like inspires you, it ignites your imagination. And that's how I felt throughout this. And we talk about, people talk about all the time, like, oh, theaters are dying and Hollywood is dying and movies are dying and da da da. Well, that's why. <laughs> because you're not inspiring. Because we want to see stuff we haven't seen before and be like, oh my God, I'm inspired to, to think of my own things and da da. But that doesn't happen. We, we've all seen computer animated shit fill our fucking screens for, for, for the last 20 years. Yeah. Seeing yeah. something like this is impressive. Yeah. I think subconsciously, uh, crowds, fans, kind of just zone out because they know it's not real. That's not like actively on the front of their minds, but they just yes. they just feel there's less, I'm on the edge of my seat. I went to well, the last Tom Cruise movie, not the last Tom Cruise movie, I went to one of the Mission Impossible movies where he does a lot yeah. of like, you. he puts effort into those stunts and stuff. I did totally, lean totally. forward. That and that's was why the, he gets credit for that shit. That was the last movie. I think it was Ghost Protocol. I forget, the one with Cavill Hill in it. I forget which, I no, forget it's, which uh, one. The, yeah, yeah, it's not. Fallout, 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 Fallout. Fallout. Good job. That was the last movie I remember. I saw it in theaters, and I and I leaned forward, and I said, "Wow, that that yeah. ending sequence was wow. like that was intense because that was real." I go at a full tilt, and I'm sprinting as hard as I can, and I hit the side of the wall, and I, that's the stunt. And I knew I knew instantly it was broken, and I, I just uh, run past camera. We got the shot. It's in the movie. That profile shot. Both those shots are in the movie. Well, yeah, and that's why it's like there's all this uh, conversation around Top Gun Maverick right now where it's Tom Cruise again, fighting to save the industry, fighting to save theaters, because you want to go see it, because you got because it's so crazy what he's yeah. doing. It's like, that was how all movies were made, and that's what <laughs> made movies special, yeah. is that like they shut down the streets of Chicago, and they crashed a hundred and something cop cars into each other, and flipped them down hills, and launched a car into a fucking semi-truck, and like all this stuff where I'm just like, oh my God, like this is so <laughs> cool. Like that's yeah. what I just kept saying. This matters. They're driving a car through the lobby of this building in Chicago. Like, that's incredible. It is incredible. And that's what movies are missing now. We just solved it for you. Great news, everybody. Great news. (laughs) We saved it. The the Bluff Council has saved uh, theaters. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) Cheers. You're welcome. (laughs) Brought to you by Heineken. (laughs) (laughs) Saving theaters since 2022. (laughs) Can we talk about John Landis? I mean, we're there. We're 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 there. So Let's do her. John John Landis is he the is he the greatest comedy director of all time? Is can you? I can. There's one other person that comes to mind, and I, this is no research. It's just literally. I was thinking about it. I'm just. This is my emotions. I have emotions, guys. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to speak those. But without without like gut check, gut check. I I, I think I have to put him one. I can't name someone with a better resume for directing comedies than him. Mel Brooks? I, okay, two people. <laughs> <laughs> shame on me, uh, shame on me. Mel Brooks has to be up there. He's, he's up there, that's, that's great. I still put Landis before Mel Brooks, and I'll tell you why if you want to get into it. 
Uh, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, I'm curious. No, we don't have to. This isn't about Mel Brooks. He's going to get his flowers. (laughs) I mean, I love Mel Brooks. But I would put him before because uh, Landis has done 100% original stories. He he wrote on this film. He was, he's, you know, he wrote on a lot of the films that he's directed. He he reeled in a pretty wild script from what I read. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Mel Brooks, particularly parodies, he's he's working from, I think he's got a leg up because he's working from source material that everybody already loves. And he spins those in in a way that no one else can do. I'm not trying to take away from his craft, but if we're going to go apples to apples, we're starting from scratch or we're starting with a built-in uh, source material and fan base. I, I think Mel Brooks has a little bit more. But he would be in the top, you know, he's in that top three category. Who else do you think of? Think of Mel Brooks, think of the Farrelly brothers. Yeah, the, in Fa- the, the 90s. Farrelly brothers. Yeah. And honestly, I would put, uh, I would put Todd Phillips in there. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, Todd Phillips crossed my mind. Todd Phillips crossed my mind. He's, he's you know, he's up there somewhere. I just think he's such a good director and predominantly cut his teeth on comedies. I'm here for the gangbang. Do you want to talk about, uh, I'll ask you, what would you like to discuss next about it? We should circle back to you the know what I want. You know what I want to talk about. I, I don't. What do you want to talk about? I, I want to talk about Dan Aykroyd. It's about time we it's talk time. about Dan Aykroyd. Let's talk about... It's time. Can I pose you this question? If you're gonna, if you're gonna make a comedic film, comedic film, very specific, comedic film, Hall of Fame. Is Dan Aykroyd a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yes. (laughs) Episode over. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) He is. The correct answer is yes. Of course he is. Absolutely. He he absolutely is. He, I don't think Dan Aykroyd gets the comedic respect that he deserves. He is not in the public eye or that public conversation when you think about comedy film legends or icons you think about bill murray you think about uh chevy chase you think about eddie murphy you know you think about jim carrey i mean there's uh, chris farley well whomever you there is hundreds of people i could name that that come to mind well before dan Aykroyd. and and i I just it blows my mind that he does not get the respect he deserves between this film ghostbusters uh trading places even tommy boy he's in tommy boy he's a villain in tommy boy like he is a a comedic icon uh from for film in my opinion hands down and i don't understand why he doesn't get that respect i think i think he gets that respect from people who know what they're talking about uh i think i think i think he's held in proper reverence for people who like no film <laughs> and no comedy, like that sounds a little snobby, but like I, I do think that. Like I think people who know shit know that know Dan Aykroyd's importance in 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 the you know the more recent history of of uh, film comedies and, and just comedy in general, Saturday Night Live and everything. And then I also wonder, so on top of that, if 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 he doesn't come, if he's not top of mind for like kind of casual consumers of pop culture, if that's not at least somewhat by choice. You know, like he, like if he's just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna take it easy, because he's, I, you know, I have to believe that if Dan Aykroyd was like for the last 20 or 30 years wanted to be like, you know, out there in a big way, he could and he would. Um, I think. I, I would hope so. I, w- I hope you're right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I hope you're right. I hope it is by his choice. Well, he's got a fascinating career 
Like it's just fascinating because from you know from the time he got on the not ready for primetime players on on Saturday Night Live there in the late seventies as as an original cast member, the youngest if if I if I remember correctly at the time, up through the eighties when you know when he he did this film was which was so huge and. Uh, Trading Places and Spies Like Us, which was a which, which was a pretty I decent love success. Spies I think. Like us. <laughs> love Spies Like Us. Love we, I watched spies that all like the time us. as a kid. Really <laughs> yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, and Ghostbusters being like the phenomenally huge success that it was. Um, and then he kind of had ups and downs, really. But but yeah, uh, uh, the Great Outdoors Academy Award nominee. Academy Award nominee for Driving Miss Daisy, a film we're not allowed to like anymore, but go fuck yourselves. I love Driving Miss Daisy. I used to watch it with my grandma all the time. It was like one of our films. Mm. I'll defend that film till I Your die. Your white grandmother? <laughs> Obviously, Keith. Uh, yeah. I had these made. Doesn't your baby look cute? Well, it's not exactly the word I'd pick. How did that come to be? How did Dan Aykroyd, this like comedy god of the 80s, just be like, I'm going to play this... Very serious, you know, decade-spanning role in this uh, in this drama film, and get nominated for an Academy Award. Like that's incredible. That it, is an incredible accomplishment. It is. Um, followed by kind of an uneven decade of the '90s, but was still peppered with some really memorable, uh, successful films. My Girl, Tommy Boy, as you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, Coneheads. <laughs> Coneheads. Coneheads. I, I gotta mention. I gotta mention Coneheads because Coneheads. The is based on the town I grew up in, so they live in Paramus, New Jersey. Really? Yeah, they live they they live in Paramus, New Jersey, and they go to Paramus High School. And I went to Paramus High School. Wow! So I've always had a, a connection to uh, that film because I was like, this is I'm basically in Coneheads. <laughs> yeah. No, that checks out. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's really exciting. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, Paramus High School. Look well, I, I never saw Coneheads. Never had. Never you saw Coneheads. Son of a bitch. I was an eight-year-old with taste, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Discerning taste. <laughs> but yeah, Dan Aykroyd, uh, I, I honestly thought for a second, I was like, is he, is he, where's, where does he fall on like the all-time straight man in comedy films, Mount Rushmore? Um, but he's not always like the straight man, so I, yeah. then I started to think maybe that was pigeonholing him a yeah, little too much. Yeah, that's not, I wouldn't put him in that category, per, personally. Yeah. Um, but he is, he is like usually the straighter man, you know what I mean? Like in Trading Places, he's opposite Eddie Murphy, who's obviously sort of like the, the louder, yeah, crazier the, one. In Ghostbusters, he's, he's the more scientifically minded. Yeah, but he's not, um, he's equally quirky. He's not like your- Sure, he, sure, sure. Trading Places is a great example. He is straight-laced. In, in Ghostbusters- No, he's quirky in that though too. Straight men don't have to be not funny. Just because you're a straight man doesn't mean you're like, no. you, you're not the source of comedy. I didn't say, no, 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 I didn't say he wasn't funny. He's wildly funny. Same implication, same implication. <laughs> He's wildly funny in Trading Places. I almost like him better in Trading Places than Eddie Murphy, but I, that's not true. That's, uh, I immediately regret that saying that. They're both great. They're, They're both, both great, though. They're comparable in that movie, and I, they work really well. Uh, it's the best together. comedy of all time. Fight me. Fight me. Trading Places, best comedy of all time. It's not the best comedy of all time, but it is all up right, there. Coming to America. Trading Places, number two. <laughs> <laughs> it is up there. Trading Places is, is definitely up there. I, the, Those are the top two. <laughs> <laughs> but... His, um, he is more of a straight man in Blues Brothers than he is in Ghostbusters. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. He, he's, he's, he's a straight-ish man in, in most of these major roles. Yeah. Ish. And you have me at ish. Can you believe that this is his, the first film that he wrote? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just think that's wild. I think it's wild. I, I, I love reading about that story that he hands like, what was it, like 300 plus pages? 300 plus page uh, script that's not even in a script format? It's not a script, it's just like notes. It's like, this is my idea. <laughs> Can we read that? I'd love to read that. Does that I still read exist? It. Yeah. Dan, does that still exist? I would love to read that. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, for your first film to be Blues Brothers. And then I think your second film is Ghostbusters? Mm. It's just, it's like, that's amazing to me. That's, yeah. that's just blows my mind. It blows my mind. Shameless, shameless plea for friendship here. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, I, I assume this is going to end up in front of you. Of course, of course. Why wouldn't you be watching uh, <laughs> the Bluff Council? Please, Dan. Dan, let's have a drink. Let's have a drink. Let's I just a treat, he, Dan. He honestly seems like, well, yeah, Keith doesn't have to come. What? <laughs> just, just, uh, Please, Dan. <laughs> I just want to like pick his brain. Like what? Like what? A, what a what a phenomenally creative, and talented person that is. Just that it's like he just seems like a fascinating, funny, like really interesting guy. And and I and I've always thought that about him. And he's always like. And that's another reason why I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I hadn't seen this film before. Because I'm like I've always been a Dan Aykroyd guy. Like I'm a big fan. Trading Places, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, Old School Saturday Night Live, yeah. Spies Like Us. Popping up in Tommy Boy, like yeah. all the all his cameos that he's been in since. Like I'm always like, fuck yeah, Dan Aykroyd. And now I I I have missed like what I'm sure many consider to be his opus, like this super important part of his career that I just now watched and adore. So like, all the more reason. Let, let's have a drink. Some of his vodka. He, he owns a he owns a vodka company. I don't drink I don't drink really, but I will for you, Dan. That's why he's not invited, Dan. <laughs> Dan, please invite me. <laughs> please, Dan, please. <laughs> uh, what is the movie that I, I, I've always loved? I really have always loved Dan Eckert. Uh Bag of Glass? Can't go wrong with Bag of Glass from, uh, from Saturday Night Live. It's, it's an old yeah. Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bag yeah. of Glass. It's, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Jane, uh, you ignorant <laughs> slut. <laughs> that's, that's, one of the best, that's, that's one of the best delivered lines in television history. <laughs> Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> He was in nothing but trouble. I used to watch that movie all the time. Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, uh, a young Tupac in Digital Underground. All around the world, same song. And he's playing the uh. keyboard. And he's this old, like, creepy, decrepit man. And he's, like, torturing these people. It's hilarious and a, such a fun ride. I was always a big Dan Aykroyd guy. Sneakers, I said it first. <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> I love sneakers. Sneakers is, like, my low-key fave. Low-key fave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Doesn't get the love it deserves. Incredible it cast. Sneakers. Yes, Dan Aykroyd. Legend. Let's hang out, let's talk. I, I want to talk to him about the, his other stuff that he's into now, too. Does a lot of alien stuff. Does a lot of supernatural stuff. He does. I'm, into, he, he I'm is, into all of that. I know, the Ev is. I want to read the first draft of Ghostbusters as well. Because that was supposedly wild as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're getting too desperate. We're moving into too desperate. <laughs> it's kind of my vibe. <laughs> I'll suck you down. You mentioned this film being a love letter to to music, to 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 the blues. To, yeah. You know, I think it's that to soul rhythm. music. Yeah, soul music, blues, R and B. I think it's also a bit of a love letter to Chicago. Um, but in terms of the music, I was really like, I like I'm embarrassed again. I'm gonna keep saying that I'm embarrassed to not have known this. But I didn't know fucking James Brown was gonna show up. I didn't know Aretha Franklin was gonna show up. I didn't know Ray Charles was gonna show up. like. Those were like huge yeah. moments. Like, again, watching this movie, and they don't just like, this is the other thing you talk about, what if this movie was made today? If this movie was made today, those guys would show up for 20 seconds. 
maybe they'd sing a little bit. This is like full musical numbers. And, uh, and I love that because it treats them with the reverence that they deserve. Because yeah. those are all time. You talk about gods. Those people are literally yeah. gods of music. Yeah. And, and, and I loved that. Like, love what it. a moment. Yeah. Like, wh what clout you had to have to get those people. Like, I know. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's, it, it's nuts. When, uh, is it, I think it's Cab Calloway. This movie had a handful of like surreal moments that just like don't line up in like any sort of reality. But what works in the film, and that, that moment when, when the Blues Brothers aren't there and Cab Calloway is talking to the band, like, do you know this song? Yeah. And then turns around. Minnie the like, Moocher. Minnie the Moocher, yeah. And then he turns around, the curtain goes up, and everyone is pristine. He's handsome looking, white Whole suits, different set. Whole different set, like everything. And then everyone stands up and cheers, and they're back in their normal. Yeah. Like, I, I, that was genius. one of my favorite parts of, of the whole movie. Cause that it just encapsulated what that moment really meant. It had nothing to do with li yeah. what literally happened. It just like what how yeah. you felt and how the the importance of that moment. It was awesome. It's incredible. There was a bunch of stuff like that where where it's just so uh, thoughtful and you can tell that like you can tell how much. Again, we, we're saying reverence like five hundred times in this episode, <laughs> but like drink every time you hear the word reverence. Sure. Um, <laughs> like the reverence that uh, the the filmmakers and and that uh, Dan and John have for these performers and for this art form, uh, you know, of like rhythm and soul music, like because because they give it all like the credit and and the appreciation and the respect that it deserves, and uh, I think that that's you know that's that's a testament all like a, a testament to that also is the fact that all of these like fucking god level icons of, of music were willing to appear in this film and have a little fun and play around like the fact that uh, that Aretha breaks into that whole song that iconic great song to convince her husband to stay then he goes peace and, he just and leaves. leaves I couldn't believe and that and then like Ray <laughs> like... Charles at the end like putting the poster up upside down like I fell out of my fucking chair I laughed so hard at that do you think part. they told like, him do you think they told him huh? they put it upside down Oh, no. <laughs> I want to believe that Ray was in was, was in on was that in joke. Was in on the joke? I hope so. Yeah. For Ray's for Ray's sake. <laughs> it was like I just I just loved it. I couldn't believe it. And so I like, love I love I mean, sorry Ray Charles when he when he when he tries to shoot that kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breaks my heart for that young going bad. My favorite thing to discuss is jokes. I have to do it. Do you have any yeah. funny uh, bits or jokes or things that, that stuck out to you? There was a ton of stuff. There was a ton of stuff, obviously, that was funny. I loved a lot of the really, like, kind of subtler things. Um, like, just like a really funny thing that both Monique and I laughed out loud at was like in the final car chase where there's just like, how many like how how many felonies of, of criminal destruction are, are are being committed and they drive under the bridge and they see the sign that says turn your headlights on they turn their headlights on like that that makes me laugh out loud like that kind of shit is really really funny uh the trains outside of the apartment yeah. that the train goes by like every five seconds <laughs> slays me uh there's a lot of stuff what, what do you got uh i got the two lines that that will stick with me uh probably forever I think one of the most famous lines from the film is uh, we're, on a, we're, on a, we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. What's funny about that is it's not the line itself, it's his performance, it's his delivery. The fact that he says it uh, more and more over the, because he says it a couple times over the course of the film, but even he doesn't believe it. 
Like the, his delivery <laughs> is if he is either exhausted or just doesn't believe that, that like, if he delivered it in like a sincere way, that's not funny at, at all. Like if you believe yeah. that you ha- you're that you're on a mission from God, it's it's lame and stupid. But the fact that yeah. he's like with you, being like how stupid this sounds when I say it out loud, is the whole reason that is funny. We're on a mission from God, and he yeah. he delivers it a, a little bit different and more exhausted each time he says it. So by that last time, he's just like, it, it just he's over it. He's over it, and it's <laughs> it's so funny. I just thought it was so funny the way he delivered it. You see. We're on a mission from God. Don't you blaspheme in here. Don't you blaspheme in here. And the other line that I uh, think is absolutely hilarious, of course, when they're at the, the, the Nazi rally, because what's funnier than the Nazi rallies? <laughs> <laughs> but when they're at the Nazi rally. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. As if there's a version <laughs> of Nazis that he does like. Like what? Yeah. Just specifically the Illinois ones. Those are the bad ones. We can't, yeah. we don't trust those. Yeah. Yeah. Just, a, just to make that did you recognize? Did you recognize that head Nazi? He looked familiar, but I couldn't place him and I did no research. Who is he? Yeah. So, the actor's, so the actor's name is Henry Gibson. And I was like staring at him, I was like, who is that? And what I think we would both recognize him from is he's the priest or the, the pastor in Wedding Crashers. He's the guy that we, uh, Vince Vaughn kisses on the face. I love you, great talk. <laughs> That's him. Come in for the real thing. Get in oh. here for the real thing. Oh. I love you. You're a sweet man. Oh. I'll just mention that John Candy's in this movie, and I love John Candy as well. He makes a little cameo as well. Uh, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, Orange Whip. Three Orange Whip. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. The cop's reaction is so funny. Like, just like this, like, quiet nod. Like, of course I want an Orange Whip. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, of course. A fucking course. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just such a subtle little thing, but I love it. So funny. The last, the last thing we should mention is uh, in a film where they managed to get Aretha Franklin and James Brown and Ray Charles, and Cad Calloway, and these legends, maybe the most impressive get that they got was that they got uh, Carrie Fisher right after the first Star Wars film <laughs> to, to have a cameo role. Like, that is incredible. She was probably the, the hottest commodity yeah. that they snagged. It was like, we just got Princess Leia. She's yeah. going to show up and uh, and shoot stuff at, at John. And that was another great bit that they made up, and they just drops her in the mud. <laughs> like, it's very unexpected. It was very unexpected. I believe she was dating Dan Aykroyd at the time. I think that's why they got She her. was. Again. Yeah. More things we can talk about, Dan. Congrats, Dan. <laughs> Great Congrats. It's mean, a life well lived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what can you Princess do, Dan? Leia what can you do? I'll do anything, Dan. <laughs>